Nice, it's a jail. Okay, so today's topic is we're going to continue talking about Yetzirah and Yetzir Tov and about the Yetzros, but we're also going to tie it together to Purim because today is Purim Katan, which I don't know actually as much about as I would like to, but I know a little bit about. But the topic isn't so much Purim Katan as Purim in general, but it tie, happens to really fit in with this topic. Um, at the end of class, also, if we have time, I want to talk about the schedule for the next few weeks because we're closing in on a seum, so we should schedule the seum before Purim, I think. Okay. Yeah, it's very exciting. Okay, so last week we spoke about um, asking Hashem to please targilenu besorah secha, accustom us to your Torah, v'dabkenu b'mitzvah secha, and cling to your mitzvahs, v'al tevienu loli dechet, and not bring us, not through sin, not through accidental sin or negligent sin, v'loli de'avera, or we were overcome by sin, ve'avon, or intentionally sinned, ve'loli de'ni sayon, not by being tested, ve'loli de'vi zayon, and not through the shame of failing to do what we should have done and having to face that. Ve'al tashlet banu yetzer hara. So that was what we talked about last time. May the yetzer hara not dominate over us. And we spoke about the yetzer hara and kind of a more, let's say, refined understanding of the yetzer hara and that the Yetzirah, on the one hand, yes, it's our enemy, but it is also a force created by God and therefore created to serve God. And everybody wins when the Yetzirah loses, including the Yetzirah. So the Yetzirah's greatest success is when we stand up to it and become stronger because of it. That is its purpose in existence, and therefore it is actually, the, we could consider the Yetzirah to be on our team, it just doesn't feel like it in the same way that your boxing coach doesn't feel like he's on your team. But his success is when you actually knock him out and at the very least keep getting up and fighting. And he does not succeed if he knocks you out and now you sit down and refuse to fight anymore. Okay. It's a great analogy. It's awesome. Yeah, it's I wish awesome. I had the original. I hope someday I'll come across mm -hmm. that original one because it's, like it's a great little essay. Yeah, it's such a good, very, very apt muscle. Okay. Um, so I'm going to take just a few moments to talk about the harchikenu me'adam ra u'mechaver ra, and then move on from there to v'dabkenu b'yetzer hatov. Stick us to you through the yetzer tov, which will bring us back to discussing these yetzers again, but now from the other side, what's about, what's like, what's a yetzer tov? So we're going to talk now about the harchikenu, distance us, me'adam ra, from a bad person, u'mechaverah, and from a bad friend. Okay, what's the difference between a bad person and a, fr a bad friend? So the Sefer Ha'aras Hatzfila brings, and, and as soon as he says it, it's pretty obvious, sorry. <laughs> a bad friend is worse. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're a, bad, a bad person is someone who appears bad to other people. He's, he's a bad man. He's a bad guy, right? A chavera, a bad friend, is someone who is very good to other people, but he's bad to heaven. He's bad to God. That's a chavera. Really? Okay, yeah. Not that he betrays you. Oh, that would be an Adam Ra. A Chaver Ra. He's your Chaver, but he's Ra. Okay, so he's very nice to other people, but he's very bad in terms of his Ben Adam Lamakom. And he's, so he's called a Chaver, a friend. Why? Because his friendship is so sweet. You know, it's good to have a friend. It's good to have someone who, who's, who's there and interested in you. There's nothing more dangerous than someone who acts like they're there and they're interested in you and their real goal is to bring you off track with them. 
that's the most dangerous of all, because how do you resist? Everyone experiences a certain degree of existential loneliness. We're not going to talk about that here, but when we talk about Hashem Echad and how we relate to that and, and the sense of loneliness and onlyness of being a human being, okay, there is some of that. So when someone's really there for you, that's pretty powerful stuff. But if that person, in fact, is not trustworthy, not only to you, not trustworthy to God, that's really like yeah, really very much nice. right. That's right, and that's how they and that's how they get to people. Like it's absolutely true. If you've ever seen anybody working, that's a hard thing though. To like, if you really see someone, you think they're doing all these great things. How would you know that they're right? How do you so, know that? You know what I'm saying? Like, right? I mean, they could be actually very nice. You've ever heard? You've yeah. you've heard this, right? This person, you know, the Torah would call this person wicked, but they're so nice. But he's such a nice guy. How could you say, like, how could you, first of all, in America, that's kind of like the ultimate. Are you nice or are you not nice, right? Now, niceness is not to be sneezed at. For somebody to be able to be nice, you know, at least when you're with them, they appear to notice you, which is pretty well, much what nice is, acting as if you're aware of other people. Now, unfortunately, many people are nice only on the surface. And when you're not there, they couldn't care less about you. It's something they do. Right? There's also the more dangerous form, which is charisma. Okay? <laughs> right? What is charisma? Charisma is really, if I've wondered about this, because charismatic people can be the most dangerous. Oh, yeah. Okay? It's, a, it's actually a little bit scary when you meet somebody who's charismatic yeah. because it's so attractive. So what is it? Right? Charisma is this kind of combination of, now I'm not quoting somebody here, just like my own thoughts, right? But a charismatic person has... A, a charismatic person has confidence, and they also has, it means somebody who has learned that through the way they treat other people, they can control how other people will react. Now, that's not inherently bad, right? A kid who learned early on, you know, if I'm nice to people or if I say nice things to them, then they feel good, right? We wouldn't say that that's a bad lesson to have learned. But there's a certain confidence that comes from somebody realizing that they can control other people in that way, that they can use that to their own purpose, right? Full to be able to, what could I say nice to this person? Not because I dafka want them to feel better because I feel their pain, but because I want them to feel happy so that they'll want to be with me or they'll want to yeah, do like, what I say, what I exactly. <laughs> and I can get what like, I want from like, them or they, they'll support they me or they'll, I'll feel, I'll feel power, right? A person could even have pretty much good intentions and still be using charisma in a manipulative way to make themselves feel good. To feel that, look, look what I was able to do for that person and look how amazing I am. Okay. From a person who is a chavera, you got to run from as if they're on fire. Like they're going to set you on fire. It's really worse because he draws other people after him in his sin. The person who's a bad person, other people are more likely to shun them. The person who's a bad person but a good friend is likely to pull people along after them. And that's a really dangerous combination. I just want to point out that what happens over here is that then raw goodness or badness really cuts both ways and has to be intrinsic. So there were two things that I heard recently. One was, one was, is just anecdotal. I was talking to a friend on the phone and she made such an interesting comment. She was talking about Shidduchim and she said, she had. She told a friend of hers, "I've always davened for my children to marry B'nai Torah, 
because of the midos that that means. Like marrying a bentora means, you know, she has a lot of daughters. So marrying a bentora means marrying somebody who will have refined midos because the learning Torah changes who you are. Hi, good morning. And the friend was like, flabbergasted by her statement and was sort of like, what planet did you come from? What does being a Ben Torah have to do with being a Ben Midos? So interesting. Okay, that's scary. <laughs> that's a scary well, reaction. Don't you think that they would... They I mean, should. So, so the truth should, is that they should they go together. You go want together, them to be exactly. intrinsically connected. So what you see is that they, they were having two be. different sets of experiences, right? This friend of yeah. mine, her life experience told her that being a Ben Torah, the more you're learning Torah, the more it affects who you are. And her friend's experience had not been that they see that. They've unfortunately seen people that it doesn't seem to have that effect. But of course she's right. But they're not really a Ben Torah then. Right. So, so that, that brings right. me to the second story. And the second story is one I heard on a recording from Rabbi Leff. Um, he said that somebody came to Rav Katz, the Rosh Hashiva of Tells, and said they have serious questions about religious people who are unethical, who steal, who, I don't know, cheat on their taxes, who whatever these things are. I... Personally, Baruch Hashem have not really seen this, but this, this person had this question. And the Rosh Hashiva said, you know, I also have this same question. I don't understand these religious people who eat chazer and they eat on Yom Kippur and they're machal Shabbos. And the guy says to him, those aren't religious people. Right. Religious people don't eat chazer and don't, like, eat on Yom Kippur and, yeah. and machal Shabbos. And the Rosh Hashiva said, right, those are also not religious people. They're not. <laughs> okay. Sometimes they look the same, and that's what's scary. Okay, so the way that they dress, like we're not going to... They're dressed up. Right. The point is, Torah is Torah. Okay, so there's Ben Adam Lamakom, there's Ben Adam Lachavero, and part of this, like a person could be a Chavera. A person could be a Chavera. A person could be a good friend. And and there's, in the same way, I w- you don't devalue the Ben Adam Lamakom. You don't, de- don't devalue the Ben Adam Lachavero. It's very, very important, right? But it goes both ways, okay? The Torah is commanding us on all of this. Hashem wants us to do all of this. It's not one or the other. They should go together. It should be true that you seek out to be close to B'nai Torah because B'nai Torah are B'nai Midos Tovos too. So it, it's hard to like not want to, you don't want to judge someone, especially if someone that you feel over time is really a good friend. So how, how would one know like, really, truly, what's going on inside First of all, their heart, inside their You don't home. have to. It's not your job. I know. So how, how would you You don't have know? to know. But if you see that a person... I guess that's why that feel is really good. <laughs> Ask God, right? Okay. Ask God to help to you with this. To keep you away from. It's like you're keep asking you away from it because you. it's going to have a very bad influence. It that's will have a very negative influence and, and erode what you're working on. I saw another very nice thing from Rav Schwab. He says, what's an Adam Ra? Mm. Why, and, and why Adam Ra, not, I don't know, some other term, right? So uh, he says in Adam, what's Adam? Adam's supposed to be a person who's a Tzalem Elohim. That's the creation of Adam, right? But Salmo. But an Adam Ra, you're talking about somebody who's essentially lost their Tzalem Elohim or has completely lost touch it's with it at like the very least. Yeah, it's like an oxymoron. It's a paradox of a person. It's unfortunate. And this person, is, they have every kind of poverty, it's a person without humanity is the poorest person of all. This is uh, based on a Rashi. Okay, now what I want to do is I want to move into something a little bit different that wasn't exactly on the schedule. It's also about the Yetzirah, Yetzir Tov, and tie this together with Purim for, the, for, the, for Purim Katan. Okay. V'dabkenu b'yetzer ha-tov. Stick us to the Yetzir Tov. So I want to share with you a few different... Um, 
a few different ideas. Number one, just this is like a nice point, because we were talking, remember, this, this whole set of brachos and, and bringing us toward a correction from Gan Eden and this whole process of gullus and the life in the way that we lead it, which is a life of struggle in the darkness and working toward a struggle to be able to get to the time of light. So v'dabkenu b'yetzer hatov is a little bit of asking for a time of geula. We're saying Hashem, like, you know, really, it's our job to stick to the Yetzir Tov, and we're saying there will be a time when that will come naturally, when you'll essentially do that for us. It's a way of asking for the final days and the final redemption. But I want to share with you, uh, oh, you know what? I didn't copy this one, sorry. Um, so I will share it with you on my own. Um, this is from Rav Schwab in his, it's the second essay in Tarsha Shmini and Mayan Beis HaShoeva. Um, and he says, you know, it's an interesting thing. Why would I have to ask to be stuck to Yetzir Tov in the same way I would ask to be separated from a Yetzir Hara? Like, mm-hmm. what, what help do I need with it? Like, either I'm with the Yetzir Tov or I'm not with the Yetzir Tov. Hopefully, if I'm not with the Yetzir Hara, like, shouldn't I automatically kind of be drawn to the Yetzir Tov? So one of the things he talks about there in Shmini, and it connects over there with Nadav and Avihu, right, and bringing, bringing a korban out of good intentions and doing the wrong thing, is that even our Yetzir Tov, we need to control. We say we want to serve Hashem, and that's two Yetzir, Shnei Yetzir We have to serve Hashem with our Yetzir Hara, and we have to serve Hashem with our Yetzir Tov. A Yetzer Tov, an inclination that's natural, that's part of our, we talked about this last week, the Yetzer is part of our physical makeup of, per, of a person. Okay? It's not our neshama, it's not our essential goodness. It's a draw toward that which is good. But just being drawn toward that which is good from the gut is not enough. You have to think, is this what Hashem wants from me? It's not enough to just be inspired to want to do something because it's nice. And because it feels good, and because it seems righteous, makes you feel like a martyr, maybe, right? All of that, those are not really the reasons to do things either. So yeah, they help pull you in a healthier direction, but nonetheless, you need to be using your mind, and we need to be controlling our Yetzir Tov, too. We need to think. A Yetzir will pull us one way. A Yetzir Tov will pull us another way. In the end, we need to use our mind to use both of those pulls to bring us towards Avodah Hashem that's correct and that is according to mitzvos. That's okay. Right. We have then mentors and rabbeim. We have mentors, we have mitzvos, we have Torah, we have a brain, we have a seichel for managing it, and it's still difficult. <laughs> okay. Also, we also say, like, we're doing this because we love God. That might even change our, the way we view it, like, to make sure that we're doing it for that right reason, not just trying to... Not just saying that that's yeah. the reason, yeah. But I think people has, still have good intentions, and they may think they're doing it, l'shem shemayim, that's right. and they're completely because off Because they haven't gone to look, what is the halacha? Or it what happens. does this other person I mean, want? Our own sons, I mean, they really thought that they were doing about a Hashem, that they were doing the best, the most important the, thing. The best example, this, this example that Rav Schwab brings, he says, look at, look at the difference between what happened with Nadav and Avihu and what happened with Pinchas. Right. right, Pinchas was driven for the sake of Kavod Shemaim to kill two people, and he didn't do it until he said, Rebbe, didn't you teach us Kanoim Pogimbo? And Moshe said, yeah, I did. Meaning that what that takes, it takes the same kind of self-control as to stop yourself from doing the wrong thing that's a Yetzirah, is to be able to stop in your Yetzirah Tov and say, 
is this the halacha? Is this what God said he wants me to do? It's a very difficult thing, right? So we got to ask, but just to even recognize, right, that, that even our Yetzir Tov has to be subjugated to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He says, because the concept of the idea of Yetzir is a koach of Yitzira. It's a, a force for creation. It's a force that creates us, that acts on us. That's what we talked about last week. And it's a force that, that drives us to want to create and do and shape and change things. I want it to be different. And that is embedded inside of us. And it pushes a person without satisfaction, meaning it makes a person feel unsatisfied until they can, can fill that empty space in them. A Yetzer says, there's something wrong here. I've got to fix it. A Yetzer Hara will lead you to, there's something wrong. I feel that I need something, right? Physical, maybe, or a craving or something destructive. And a Yetzir Tov might say, there's something wrong here. There's a blemish. There's a pagam on Kavod Shemayim. But either way, it's something that makes you feel driven to fill a need. And that Yetzir will push. It will push to Gashmias. It'll push to Ruchnias. But it's pushing, and it's embedded, and it still requires us and demands of us to think and to find out what is, what is the, the real Ratzon of Hashem. Okay, now, from this, I want to move to another essay of Rav Schwab's that's also on the topic of Yetzer. What safer is this to... Mayan Beis HaShoeva. Is there an English title to that? Um, there is not. Is However, they did just come safer. out recently. They just came out with Rav Schwab on Chumash last year, and I assume that it is based on Mayan Beis HaShoeva, but it's not, can't possibly be the whole thing. Okay, so this is just if you want to follow along. Um, you don't have to. Okay, and I'm not. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's the first page. It's really just the bottom line. I just wanted to give you where he's starting from. Hello, which is uh, he's commenting on ve'ohavta es Hashem elokecha b'chol levavcha. You should you should love Hashem your God. Excuse me. No, nope. <laughs> with all your hearts. Okay, levavcha two bases, two hearts. The Amru Chazal, the Chazal have told us in Gemara and Brachos Nandalid, Bechol Levavcha Bishne Yitzrecha, with all your heart, with both of your Yetzers. Beyetzer Tov, Uviyetzahara, Vitzarach Beer. With your Yetzer Tov and your Yetzahara, and that requires explanation. So I'm moving to the second page. I'm skipping the entire first paragraph there, which is almost the entire first column. And the reason is we talked about this last week. He starts by quoting Rav Hirsch saying that the description of Yetzer Hara, of Lafetza Chatas Rovets, is a friendly description, not an antagonistic description. Okay, that's last week. Vehine, Yetzer HaKadosh Baruch Hu Esa Adam, Venasan Lo Bechira Chofshis. God formed man and gave him free will. Vesam Bekir Bo Shnei Yetzerim Hafchiim. And he placed within him two opposing forces, two opposing Yetzers, Yetzer Echad, one force, one which, which draws him and pulls him to love of God with all the force of his soul. Nafsho uh, there means like physical soul, right? So all the animation and emotion of the body. The Yetzer Echad and another Yetzer, Hamifatehu, which uh, convinces him, persuades him, Lasur Midarche Hashem to swerve off of the path of God, and to disobey or abandon God's will. 
we should add with with um, on the topic of the that Hashem created everything something from nothing. Yesh there is meayin from there isn't. Okay, this is something we can't actually really understand because it's outside our experience. We can say those words, we can't really understand somethingness coming from where there is actually nothing. No energy, no, no matter, no nothing, like nothing, no time, no nothing. And therefore, within man, there are two opposing forces. Man was created. He was Yatsar with a Yetzer. So one pulls him to be Yesh, to be something, to make something of himself, to matter. The Echad Hamoshech Lesharsho. And one which pulls him back where he came from, which is nothingness. The good yetzer of the person is that which causes him to cling to godliness, to God and godliness. That because through clinging to Hashem and the divine, the person will exist forever. <coughs> Our actions will exist forever. Our souls will exist forever. And he will, through this, remain something from nothing forever and ever. But together with this, together at the same time, God embedded into the person that craves to return back to nothing, to the nothing from which it came, to the non-existence, which is where it started. And when a person follows after his Yetzirah, Shlomo already described that in Mishlei. The one who walks after it suddenly, it's like he's a Kishor El Tevach Yavo. It's not Yuva, it's Yavo. I looked it up, but I, I put the Nikud into the book after I made the copy. Okay, it's like an ox, like a like a, not a, an ox walking to slaughter. That's what it means. Like an ox, a person following his Yitzhahara is like someone who's following following the shochet to the slaughterhouse. Kemar tzipor al pach, like a like a bird hurrying into the trap. and he doesn't realize it's his own soul. Shakavana kipshuto. What it means is very simply as it sounds. Shechoser el haheder. He is returning into his nothingness, and his non-existence, that there should be nothing left of him. No, no existence left. And this is as it says also in Mishlei, um, one who finds me finds life, says God. Eternal life. Those who hate God love death. That the desire of the Yetzirah is a desire for self-destruction. So we hinted to that last time. We just didn't say it quite so blatantly, right? Cravings for that which is literally, it could be physically or spiritually destructive. And yet somehow people crave it anyway, right? We crave 5,000 calories a day. People crave to smoke. People crave drugs. It feels good in this moment. And the brain knows it's bad, knows that it is destroying the self. So how does that happen? This is embedded in us. There's a well-known saying, that even though sadness or depression is not a sin, 
but it's harder than Oliveros. It's even worse. I mean, if you look in our society, it's almost like the natural default is depression. I don't know if anyone escapes it throughout their whole life. Ever being depressed, I don't know. Like, it just, okay, so that's a topic Wait, for so another what, day. What did you but say he that ties question? it to this. He says, Uladarkenu, according to the way we've learned this, move on, we can understand. What is depression? It's a feeling which draws a person back into the nothingness. Anyone who's ever felt depressed, even for a short time, knows that's what it is. It's like running away from Yetzirah and Yetzirah? No, he's saying the Yetzirah is the feeling that causes a person to be drawn back into nothingness. So on an emotional level, it feels like depression. In other words, okay, that doesn't, uh, he's not, he says it's not a sin. It's harder than a sin. It's worse because your whole self feels drawn into the pit. Okay, at least with the Yetzirah, it's only one particular action that you're feeling drawn into it. And it doesn't feel like a pit. It feels nice, right? It's just that it is a pit, and you know it if you would think of it. Depression can bring a person can bring a person to, to do any sin through their depression because nothing feels like it matters. What I do doesn't matter. My life doesn't matter. Who am I, right? All of this is the feeling of depression to the point where a person will even... God forbid, <coughs> commit suicide. They literally will uncreate themselves. Like it's like rationalizing it? No, he's saying this is the source of it. Uh-huh. This is the source of it. Now, again, you have to understand that the whole approach that we're taking here, that is Rav Schwab's approach based on Rav Hirsch, is not saying that a person is, that their Yetzirah is a sign of badness. Yetzirah is just a sign of being alive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's not saying depression is a sign of badness. He's saying depression is worse than anything else. It's the most extreme form of Yetzirah. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that we've got to keep struggling. We've got to keep struggling. So that would be a topic for another time, not for today. How would somebody struggle against depression? That's not a posh thing. Very difficult because the desire to struggle is not there, right? But nonetheless, that, like with any other part of Yetzirah, which is a natural embedded part of ourselves, what we got to do is struggle and ask God to help us. Okay. What did you say before you said Yetzirah <clears throat> is a sign that you are alive? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yetzirah is a sign of being alive. Okay, now I'm going to move to the next page. Um, the first full paragraph, which starts with Ume Olam. Ume Olam, Tomati. I've always wondered. Why do they call this a Yetzir Tov? He says, what's our experience with Yetzir Hara? Every day it's there. You think you're doing great, and the next thing you turn around and you realize you messed up again, right? You, you blew it again. You screamed again. You ate it again. Whatever it is. You, every day there's some other fight with the Yetzir Hara. It always seems to be strong. It always seems to be winning. And it's always got some new trick up its sleeve. Has it really been our experience that when it comes to um, doing mitzvahs, to doing God's will, to doing good deeds, that we feel like compelled by a Yetzir Tov? How many of us have experienced the same kind of compulsion to good, right? The feeling of, oh, 
I thought I was going to do something wrong. Wham! I fell into good again. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Right? Like, we just don't seem to live that way. So why is this Yetzir Tov described as if it's somehow comparable to a Yetzahara? Like when our experience... Time. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't feel the same thing. Like, this Yetzahara... Right, like a gravitate, yeah. like a like natural so force. It's exactly... You know, yeah. gravity is a great example. example. We have to fight against it. we got to stand up, like, and yet it always keeps pulling us. Okay, but we get stronger. Right, you go... You go into outer space for a very short time, <laughs> and it takes months and months to yeah. recover not only the muscle strength, but yeah. the bone density. Yeah. It is the gravity pulling us down and the fact that we stand up against it that gives us our strength. That's okay? Really it's a very good mashal you gave. I love it. Okay. He said, but somehow we don't seem to feel the Yetzir Tov with that kind of intensity of the gravity, right? That we're always pushing, like if, like it's just drawing us along. It seems like our good deeds really depend on Chachmaso, Yeraso, his Gabruso, Al Yetzahara. That like it all depends on using our intellect or your Shemayim or conquering the Yetzahara. We don't really mostly seem to experience a Yetzir pulling us to good. It also doesn't seem bechira wise like they're on an equal footing because the Yetzirah is always trying to convince a person to travel away from his from God, his source in the world, and it seems very powerful. Yetzirah Tov seems relatively weak and doesn't sound like it's really talking to the heart. The Eino Moshcho doesn't seem like it's pulling Lasos Hatova Hayashar to do what is good and just and straight. Ad Sheher Hashem Yisbarach Einai Bedivre Chazal until God illuminated my eyes through a Chazal. He refers to a Gemara in Brachos, a Gemara in Yerushalmi. Al Pasuk Tehillim on the Pasuk in Tehillim Kuftes Vilibi Chalol Bekirbi. Kuftes. Tehillim Kuftes Chafbeis, which says Vilibi Chalol Bekirbi. My heart is. Empty within me. Shedavid Hamelech, Hargoliatsaharabatanios. And the the Gemara teaches, what does it mean my heart is empty in me? That David Hamelech somehow managed to actually slaughter his Yetzirhara by fasting. Okay, now that's that's not necessarily that we're emulating David Hamelech to do that, right? But he said that gave him an inspiration. If fasting weakens the Yetzirhara, then, yeah, we do have sources that would suggest that the Yetzir Tov would be weakened by eating too much and indulging too much. The Imkin, yeah. Well, you know what? The Yetzirhara is weakened by fasting, by restraint. The Yetzir Tov is weakened by indulgence. Now, the world we live in has so much room for indulgence that we don't know what a Yetzir Tov feels like. But it's there. Now, this opens up enormous new vistas. That means that a person could really have born within him a Yetzer Tov in the full meaning of the word Yetzer, with all the same power and draw. Uvli Ribui Ha'achila, and if it were not for 
eating too much, and chasing after extras and luxuries, then a person could feel in his heart a yetzer tov that is constantly in upheaval, like frantically wishing to go after the will of God. And he gives some other, there are oh, other wait, sources that for that. That, he... that if a person, if not for the fact that we're accustomed to eating more than we require and chasing after luxuries, if not for that, we could ourselves, everyday, ordinary people, could feel inside ourselves a yetzer tov that is just as frantic and just as as persuasive and pulling a force as what we are accustomed to knowing in our Yitzhahara. And if he quotes a Tana Devei Eliyahu that says, yeah, that a person, before even davening that Torah should come into his body, should daven that luxury shouldn't come into his body. He says, now you understand what that Tana Devei Eliyahu was trying to tell us. Okay? We're, we're also, um, our, our perception of luxuries is skewed. Yeah. I mean, it feels good. It's not us, or who's it hurting? But also, like, right? where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line? So, I don't know, is but uh, he's got, we're going to, we have a suggestion, okay? okay. All right. Um, I'm going to skip the next paragraph. It's, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm thinking that the, usually we overindulge to numb. To numb uh, the emptiness numb inside, the, right, right? Which is a reflection of the Yitzhahara, you're saying. Yeah. yeah. That's what, that's the con- but if we could faster. restrain it, then, okay, so one thing, and I don't know if we'll get to it, so I'm just going to say it now. When I, I'm going to use eating because it's just like such an easy example, right? When I eat for comfort, it's backward, right? Meaning it's a desire for something that isn't for the health of the body. So it could be literally described as a self-destructive desire because it's something that's more than what the body needs. It's not going to work, Right. And the effect it's going to have is to increase that self-destructive voice within, which is going to be the opposite of feeling comforted. It's going to be a con- either way I'm going to feel need. But what is it I'm going to feel that I need? If I can stop myself and say, it's not the food that's going to give me comfort. It's God who's going to give me comfort. Now, I still have an empty place in me, Right? but I'm looking to a different place to fill it. Mm-hmm. Number one, I'm looking to a better place to fill it. Definitely a longer-term solution, okay? But it takes more practice because I'm not going to feel better maybe in the next 30 seconds. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. But there's something else he's saying that's, that's fundamental that, like, isn't necessarily something we would figure out on our own, which is what if I want... Maybe I'm not at the level where I could say I crave to be close to God. Mm-hmm. But what if I really want that? Here's a way to get there. He actually just offered a roadmap. Now, it wasn't, it's not the fasting part, like, per se. Okay, I'm good. Like, I don't want anyone to make the mistake of going there. I heard a share from Rev. Official uh, Schachter who was saying how David Melech was... What was that? I also heard a share from him yesterday, but not the same one, apparently. Well, he was talking about David Melech and how... um, 
gosh, what do we eat? Mwab Malka. Yeah. How? Yeah, yeah. Coming close to okay. Shem So I don't know if we're going to get to all of this now because our to- that would be right. like the Birkas Hamazon topic. It's not, that's not yeah, today's topic. Oh, but so yes. much of so what we do is through food. Yeah, different food. messages. So How many? No, no, no. It's not a different message. It's not a different message. I just okay. don't know if we can get to it. Okay. It's not. They actually are complementary messages. I'm just thinking that maybe, uh, certainly in my mind, the, maybe I need to redefine the term Yetzer. Yeah. The thing is that we think Yetzer are bad, Yetzer are good. That's not what it's saying. Right. It's saying that Yetzer is a drive, a need, right. whether it's for good or for bad. And if right. you think of it that way, then it fits the whole Everything picture. Fits. Everything fits. Everything fits, fits, it's, it's, fits it's, an, it's a need for something. Right. I mean, you're, you're missing something. So we started it last week, yeah. and I hope oh, to I'm continue. Sorry, no, 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 it's good. I just want to I want to get to the porn part yeah, of it, sorry, too, then, no, which no, is no, what no, you're no, saying. No, it's what you're saying. No, no, no. We're definitely deepening it much more than we talked about last week. It's like an intrinsic, you said it's part of our... It's intrinsic. It's part of us. It's nothing to be ashamed of, right? Schwab had that comment, like, sometimes a person feels like they don't know ourselves. We don't know ourselves. Who is this person? In the beginning of Shemona Esrei, I'm, I'm up here and I'm like trying to get close to God. And two seconds later, I don't know where I am. And I'm still supposedly <laughs> standing in Shemona Esrei, right? How could I be the same person? It isn't really, the Bizayon follows the Nisayon. The Bizayon doesn't follow the Yitzhahara. Having Yitzhahara is not a Bizayon. Failing a test is a Bizayon. That's something we'll be ashamed of. Having Yitzhahara is not something we're ashamed of. It's just something that is. Okay. We can understand with this the, the power of this concept of tainus harivid. This is something that the Ravid taught about. It's a fast, okay? But it's not a fast like Tish above. Okay, now I, I don't know. I've never learned it inside the Ravid. I've seen two things explaining tainus harivid, and it kind of indicates both, so I don't know which it's meant to be or if he said both. One is not eating something that you get tremendous pleasure from. If there's a particular food, one food that you know, not one whole category, don't go to just chocolate because you'll <laughs> never make it, okay? One specific food that you know gives you just pure hana, then it's possible that one, one tinus is not eating it. It brings a person to kedusha. Another one is, okay, hold on. Hageder Hagal, I'm not, just something a person should think about very carefully before doing. Really. Like, it's not a small Wait, thing. One tannis, uh, like well, that's one, one way I've understood the time is right. And I don't know the answer. Rabbi Goldberg could tell us. Some particular some. thing that you know you just, that's your thing. Like, you just eat it because you like it. It has no nutritional value. It has no, and maybe it gives you a little too much pleasure, right? Could you say, I'm not going to eat that? One thing, only that. Well, then it can't be chocolate. That's called the time you know it's a very big antioxidant. That's know. right. <laughs> and it's very important for I your health. It's also day. too big of a category, right? Day. It could be it's Godiva <coughs> chocolate, not. And every other kind of chocolate, yes. Okay, that's, that's, that's the kind of limitation we're talking about, not a whole category, okay? Like sugar. Like all right. <laughs> okay, that's maybe fair. that flavor. Not, okay. Whatever. But there's another aspect to... to to Tainus Arrived, which is the way that I first was exposed to it in the book of, what's it called? Rav Mendel and His Wisdom, maybe? I forget. Okay? Um, where he describes it as leaving over, not finishing everything on the plate. You would be astonished how hard that is. Try it for one time, okay, with a very big blina there, one meal. And by the end of the meal, you've forgotten that you were going to leave over what was on the plate. It's hard just because you feel like you're wasting. 
So you feel like Baltashris. Okay, but it's like, not Baltashris because you're doing it. Did this for a long time. Once you're doing yeah, it, it was, very, very, very that a difficult. Rom-bomb? The rom-bomb I never that. could understand it. I never could. I was like, just finish it. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's this, this being rom-bomb. able to hold it. The, I think the famous rom-bomb you're thinking of is not eating till you're full, which is different. They're related. You can use them together, but I don't think that's what the rom-bomb's talking about as far as I know. Okay. Hageder okay. Hagadol, the great fence, the Hashamor Hameula, Hashamor Hameula, the best way to guard yourself, the Haderech HaTov L'Hachnoz HaYetzer, the best way to subdue your yetzer, by this it means yetzer hara, hu reavon hanefesh mimiut hanoseha, is to allow your body to be hungry by just a little, mimiut, just limiting, okay? It doesn't mean cutting out, don't eat at all. Limiting its pleasure and luxuries in food and drink. A person should always leave a little bit over from what he requires in order to satisfy his cravings or his appetite. So you have an appetite for a certain amount, you should always have a tiny bit less. Chazal, talk about this. Okay, that this strength in the time of eating is what allows us to let our Yetzirah wake up and become aroused closer to God. And it will pound within a person and push within a person with love of Hashem. And God created the Yetzer in equal balance. That as powerful as our Yetzer can be, our Yetzer Tov can be just as powerful. So this is, when I first learned this, which is a while ago, we could do it as another topic. We could do it as another topic another time. Here it was really the concept of the Yetzer and the Yetzer Tov and the idea that the Yetzer Tov could be just as powerful. But in terms of a way of striving toward Kedusha, to be a different level of person, it is literally within our hands to be able to say, wait a second, why am I eating this? Am I eating it because I'm hungry? Or am I eating it because I just want to eat it? And if I'm eating it because I just want to eat it, do I have the strength to not do that? It is very, very hard, right? Or I'm craving a certain food and I realize I'm craving that food. Do I have the inner strength to choose a different food just because the first one was a craving? It's very, very, very difficult, but also very powerful. Okay, I don't, I don't want to go into this too much, just because it's almost nine o'clock. I really wanted to take. There's another lesson I want to learn from this. It's not just because it's about porn. Need more than one class. I know. A week. <laughs> I get more than one class a week. Okay. The next point I want to tell you is this. This is from the Maharal. The Maharal, uh, it's actually brought, I saw this in the Machser for Yom Kippur, but there's a whole bunch of stuff on Purim, because Purim and Yom Kippurim. So, like, thank God, I get these extra little bits. Okay, the Medrash says, Chachmos, this is also from Lata Mishle today, Chachmos Bonsa Besa, wisdoms have built her home. Tavcha Tivcha, she has cooked her meal off Archa Shulchana and set her table. And the Medrash says, this is talking about Queen Esther. At the time when there was great troubles for Israel, she organized and set up a meal for Ahasuerus and Haman the wicked, and she made him drunk with a lot of wine. Excuse me. And when Haman finally started to feel comfortable that she's really doing him a great honor, he did not realize that she was spreading a trap (coughs) to catch him that through the meal that she served him, she acquired her, her nation forever. 
She set her table in this world and the next world. She acquired a name for herself in this world and the next world because all holidays may become batal in the long run, but Purim. Purim will be forever. That's a different topic. I'd love to do it. I don't know if we talked about this last year, about Queen Esther lives forever. Did we do that? It could be. I'm setting a date. One of the things we'll talk about with dates is a Purim share. Okay. Now I'm going to jump way ahead because this is the bit that I want to talk about. This is telling us something about Purim. Esther was a prophet, as the Gemara says uh, in Megillah. This says Tesvav Ahmed Beis, but I'm pretty sure it's um, in Yudalid. But this quote is Bechachmasa Bansa Beis Yisrael. With her wisdom, she built the whole house of Israel. Meaning, in, in Queen Esther's wisdom, she built the entire nation because we would have been gone otherwise. By inviting Haman to a meal, she built the Jewish people. Why did she invite him to a meal? Based on another Pasuk in Mishle, if your enemy is hungry, feed him bread, which is not what the Christians think it means, <laughs> because it's as if you are piling coals on his head. Can you repeat that? If your enemy is hungry, feed him bread. It's like piling coals on him. What does this mean? If somebody hates you, now they're talking here hate like serious hate. We're talking Haman Harasha hate, not I, I hate your guts, you're so mean, right? Like we'll get over this, let's find a way to talk, okay? This is talking about someone who's out to kill you. If someone's out there to kill you and he receives from you, when you give him bread and he says, yeah, I'll take it, he is handed over into your power. It's true. He becomes dependent Sorry, on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's ago. dependent on you. He has now put himself into your hands. Mm-hmm. Everything he takes after this, he is in your hands. He is in your control. And in this way, she brought down Haman. She piled the coals on his head. He gave himself up. He gave himself up when he accepted the invitation to her meal. And now he's going to explain this a little bit more. How can we understand this? We could explain, says the Maharal, that she gave him, she organized a meal for him and gave him wine. Because when a person has that feeling of Tov Levav Kiilo Eno Chaser Klau, when a person feels I'm lacking nothing, it's all good. I need nothing. It's not talking about a moon and bitachon, whatever God gives me, I feel that I have everything I need. When a person has that feeling of comfort that I'm perfectly full, I have everything I need, everything is around me. Amon felt that way? Yeah, yeah, but he's saying the principle of the matter is when a person feels that way, this is the greatest stumbling block of Uh all. Because a person really always needs to know that he isn't perfect. Because we're in the finite world, we're not perfect. A person who's dead is in a state of perfection, and a baby before they're born is in a state of perfection. But a person who is alive is not in a state of perfection. The feeling that everything is perfect is dangerous. Feeling that there's always more I need. Now, it may not be like I need the physical. Maybe I really need to become a better person. I need to figure out how to do tshuva. I need to figure out how to grow. I can't just stay like this. That's also a feeling that my life is imperfect. But then, as ha'adam mekabel hashlama min Hashem he's open to accepting from God. 
and saying, Hashem, I need help. Wait, when his life when is not When you perfect. feel that life is not perfect, you're able to say, God, help me. I need. From here is where we daven, okay? When a person feels, I have everything I need, it's the ultimate gaiva. It's the ultimate losing track of needing God. Mm-hmm. Right? Where did you get it from anyway, right? Okay. And it's through this that the person falls. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is what Esther was tuned into, okay? And he says a proof of this is that the Yetzer Hara, which is the feeling of lack in a person, that which drives a person that says, I'm not satisfied, I need something more, I'm craving more, that's not in a person who has everything they need. Not in a person before they're burned and not in a person after they die. Wait, the Yetzer is that, not That Yetzer, that craving is part of being alive. When a person has everything they need, there isn't that craving for more. He's, it's again, this idea of a Yetzirah is not mm. in and of itself bad, right? It's the craving. It's a sign of health. It's a sign of being alive. The question is, what do you do with it? Do you go from there to say, God, help me, I need? Or do you go from there to saying, oh, I've got everything I want. Okay, I'm going to jump now out of this Samaharal to, excuse all the jumping. Is that why the Sudra in the beginning was their downfall? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. That's a very good insight. Makes sense. Which the juice. The juice. It all starts with eating at this meal that goes on and on and on. Every person eats as much as he wants, wants. right? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Okay, I'm going to skip. I'm going to skip this part. And I'm going to go to a Pachad Yitzchak, which I copied, hoping that Shelly would be here, because I know you like to have <laughs> You were right. <laughs> okay. Thank you. So this is Inyan Yud Gimel. Okay, you'll be glad it's a short one at this hour. Al-Tadami b'nav sheikh lehimolet. Mordechai says to Esther, do not imagine in your soul that you're going to escape. Okay, I'm not going to translate that. There's a million ways. Yud Gimel. Yeah, okay. It sounds like a very nasty uh, suspicion, like an accusation he's making to Esther, right? Don't you think you're just going to escape? Like, what? Sorry? She's at Tzedekis. You know her well. Mm-hmm. Okay. He says, that's not possible. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. This is really how this goes. We know of principle one who davens for someone else, and he needs that self-same thing, he's answered first. You've heard that, right? Because there is a depth that is immeasurable. Between a prayer and a prayer from a broken heart. You cannot compare the prayer of one who deep down desperately needs to the prayer of someone who's like concerned. It's not the same. <laughs> and the Chachamim have taught us the preference, meaning how much more valuable is the power of Tvila that is hidden and comes out from the level of the broken heart. The Oso Hadam, which is something to remember when your heart feels broken. Talk to God about it. Now, when you have a person who needs something really badly, badly enough that his heart is breaking, within him, and within his davening and begging 
to be saved from his problem. He is now holding in his hand an un, like a nuclear bomb of prayer. Okay? This is no, no ordinary prayer. And someone who is holding in his hand the power of need that is so desperate that he is reaching out to God with all his heart because there is nowhere else to turn. He's in so much trouble. And in that power and in that prayer, he davens litovas chavero? That's what it means, one who needs and davens for his friend. He doesn't only daven for himself, but he realizes there's someone else who feels like him and davens for him too. He takes what he's got, what he's holding, and donates it to a friend. He gives that to someone else, that power of his prayer. That's what it means. Someone needs something, and he's davening for a friend. He takes the power of his own personal suffering, and he uses that to help somebody else, to think about the needs of somebody else by begging Hashem to help him too, not just himself. Obviously, he's not losing his own merit, right? But he's able to, to encompass someone else within himself. That's something very deep. This explains what Mordechai instructed Esther. Don't don't think you're going to escape. He says, don't think you're going to escape and now you're going to try and help the Jewish people. You're safe, you're fine, everything's good, but you're going to help the Jewish people. You see how all these ideas connect, right? Okay, I don't, we don't have time to talk about how they do, so if you don't, figure it out. Like, it's awesome stuff, okay? The feeling of need. The prayer that comes from the feeling of need from turning to Hashem to fulfill our needs. He says, don't think you're fine. Think you're not fine. Go with the recognition of how dangerous your situation really is. I think we could also say tadami. This is me suggesting. Tadami could mean to envision, like to imagine. But vayidom aron could means aron was silent. Like don't silence your, your, your nefeshes, like your physical body. Like don't silence that panic inside of you. <laughs> Let it go, right? Let it out. Your prayer for the Jewish people has to come. It has to come from your realizing you need it too. And even though you are in terrific danger, you're going to walk up to, to Achashverosh, and who knows if anyone will ever hear from you again. It happened before to his wife, right? Even so, and from that place, that's where you daven only for the Jewish people. Wow. That's where you got that. Yeah. God forbid. Don't lose the chance to have this level of prayer that's davening for someone else when you need it. And you really need that thing. Don't lose the chance. That's what he's telling her. Only from the broken heart of needing that thing. And then you give it to the friend. All the power and all the merit of that prayer of the broken heart. That's going to elevate your prayer for the Jewish people. Don't start thinking about how you're going to be safe. Okay. Sorry for running us through it, but yes. it was worth it, right? Yes. yes. Worth yes. it? Very okay. powerful.
again. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully we recorded it. Hopefully. Okay. You can keep the hand Yeah. This is like mind blowing stuff. It's this life changing. By the way, I'm so I feel bad we had to rush. Because you, it's worth savoring. It's worth reading it again. I'm it's worth thinking about it again. That would be a good topic. I think it is. Yeah, especially I didn't think it's very relevant. This, this is stuff that will save your life. Thank yeah. you so much. Your emotional life, your I, physical. This save. This is life saving and life changing. Yeah, of course. Have you heard also like the idea of the ego, like with Haman? I've heard of it. My ego. dad's a psychotherapist. Your what? My father's founded the Southern California Psychoanalytic Institute. I've heard of the ego. The we had a cat named out. Ego. Have you heard of edging God out? That's so that if the ego stands for edging God out. No, have that's you heard cute. that? That's cute. Because if there's if, if your ego is so big, there's no right. room for Hashem. Right. It's cute. I mean, it depends how you take ego and right, like how literally we're taking that's, the word ego. That's like our whole thing before on dimensions and all that kind of stuff. Yep. The what that. We talked before. Oh, about sorry, I missed it. No, it's okay. Sorry. I don't. It's just that that that's what the Yitzhar Hara and Yitzhar Tov seem to be attached to. That it's they are more on the physical side. Yeah. Yeah. The Yetzer Har and Yetzer Tov are attached to, if you look at those levels, so you have the guf and the asiya and the physicalized part of the world, and the next level up, which is the level of Yetzira, Yetzira, formation, Yetzer, by Yetzer Esa Adam, God created the man with two yuds, two Yetzers, yeah? It all goes together. That's the level of nefesh, of emotion. So it's really about the emotional state, the different, the different urges of the emotional state, which is considered to be part of our physical body. But I'm just thinking more of the time bound. Like because it's time, time bound, bound, yeah. But is the emotional level... Yeah, it's under time. It's under time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's still in the physical space. It's kind of, we talked about that a little bit with yeah. um, Yosef. I have a question yeah. for you. It's a, it's a little bit more about food and eating. Just yeah. One time I decided I was going to join this, um, what was it called? Oh, oh, it was Overeaters Anonymous. So okay. I joined this group. I never thought I was an overeater, a compulsive overeater. You have to define yourself. Okay. So, but I figured, It's you not know sad to define yourself by your gates. I mean, the whole point here is we myself. don't, but I really, yeah. I had, but that's I had part of the process. Yes, right? but okay. it was also surrendering your, yeah. kind of like your Yetzirah, kind of, or right. your ego, to accept the fact that, yes, I'm having, you know, an issue with food. Right. It's out of control. I need well, God to help However you rate it, from a 1 to 10 on a scale of 1 to 10. I wanted to see what it was about because I heard it's also a very spiritual program. Right. And so I wanted to <clears throat> check it out. And when I followed this program and used some of these tools, I found myself feeling much more free mm -hmm. of the Itahara. It was very interesting. The more mm -hmm. I followed this, the more I followed this it's a program, real trap. the more I felt in control it's a real of my trap. But I'm wondering if it's because also, like, it was a little bit of a facade of a, it's, it's kind a, of fakes you out a little bit because you're following a program. I don't know if it's truly, it, it is my choice to follow it. But at the same time, it's like, it's a very structured... Well, if you talk to Lolishma Balishma, that's the idea. If you're trying you, to get you to You start it, saying right. it, you feel really weird in the first time, and then maybe the next time you feel less weird, it's more, it's also, more accepting. Yeah, it. it's part of that also feeling out of control, and so therefore trying to get into a place where there is more control. But it's also, so. because it is a spiritual program, you do go to that place where you right. start really trying to understand what is that void that's inside of you that's making you feel... So this, I think, in some ways, 
addresses it. It, it, addre it's, it both ratchets up the emotional content because it's a way to strive for something much, much greater than what we are in a reachable way. To say, like, can I, can I, can I choose something different? Can I choose a different? It's, it's unbelievably difficult, right? To say, oh, I'm so in the mood for ice cream. Can I choose a piece of cake? That's what I'm talking about, okay? I'm not talking about, like, can I choose a fruit? I'm saying, can I, can I choose something different than what I craved? Okay? Right. Can, I, can I sit down to eat a piece of chicken and leave a piece over? A little bit, one bite. Can I leave it over? It's very hard. It's hard to even keep track of it. But We're not so not focused. That's, that's what I like about that. No, that's so not called wasting. You're using something. Using something for avodas Hashem is not wasting it. Using something for avodas Hashem. This is what I'm doing. And once, but I feel it's like everything. it also takes away the, like that choice. Okay. It's taking away the Yetzirah. It's diminishing the Yetzirah. What is diminishing it? The, what's the, diminishing it is that your choice is already... Once you, it's like, it's like anything. I don't know if that diminishes your Yetzirah, but it's what you need to do. You um, need to okay, be a chooser. Is, let me give you an example. It. I mean, because I am sugar-free, dairy-free, and gluten-free. And you do get, so like each thing You could lose that I craving. Did, you, you get, you don't lose the craving for certain no. things. I That's what they say. I've never pizza. managed it. <laughs> I've never gotten over the fact that I can't have pizza, but at the same time, I haven't had it in over two years. Wow. So I'm I'm just saying it as an example, right. but I but I look at bread and go, wow, like a crispy thing with something soft in the middle. Come on, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's yeah. how I look at it. Yeah. Right. But I haven't had anything with gluten in over two years. Wow. But I but I you know but I also won't. Part of it is just because I know I'll be sick. But, I, I don't know. No, it so sounds like So this is what I'm saying. I'm yeah. saying that it's like anything. It's like when I look at people and I hear that young people are getting divorces and what, what have you, Lolena, but it's like you make a commitment to being married. And you're going right. to, whatever goes on, whatever happens, whatever challenges you have, working out. you're going to, you have a commitment to right. being married. That's your ultimate commitment that you've made to yourself, to Hashem, to your spouse, whatever. So whatever happens, you're, you're, you're committed. Same thing. For me, this is how I'm interpreting it. When I committed myself to a program, I already made that commitment. It's almost like that choice of I'm going to do this, this, and this. No, it's not. You're saying you're choosing not to choose. You're choosing right. that's not a, to. That's a different not, topic in a way. Well, but, yes. but I'm saying it makes but it there a is little a power bit to easier because I found myself saying, so I had to have more Kavana every time I ate because I was already planning it out. So it almost takes away. It's but, not a. It's not a bad thing. It's an important thing. But right. choosing not to choose matters too. All those things that I would love I to eat, like cheese, but I would love dairy foods. But then what I find is I make really good substitutes. It's not just that right. I'm and then is that really good? So like I made cash, you know, stuff out of cashews. That matters because if you feel deprived, if you let your body get too deprived, it won't. It won't come through for you. You won't be able to continue not eating the things you need to not eat if you don't make sure you have good options. Of course it's good. It's a very good idea. I made feta cheese out of almonds the other day. It's a very, very... I was really happy to put it on my beef salad. It's a very good idea. No, no, because you're... That's called, that's called like, making sure to feed yourself. Like, you need to, you need to indulge... There's so a fine like line between indulging and having enough. But even in that program of what you're doing, it's possible to say, can I leave a little on the plate? Yes. 
or That's not? I can I take a first like and not a second? Can I? And it's hard. Yeah. And I would say, don't try and make it a long-term commitment. Try and Just see if you can do it once. Yeah. It's okay. of it, so and you know what? Like thing. Really the funny like thing is, nobody ever I mean, looks back like, three hours later or three days later and says, "Darn, I wish I'd eaten that." About, about never, never. Well, I we never look back. You reminded me of my brother. I remember my brother sitting at the table, and he really wanted schnitzel. And was like, "Oh my gosh, it smells so good," and whatever. And then the schnitzel came to him. Like I think his son brought it to him. And he's I like, wow, I had such a tiger for it. And he, he left it and he ate something else because the tiger was so strong. He didn't want to be driven by it. It's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. This was so many years. But that's a very amazing thing. It blew me away. It's a way of achieving real Kedusha. It's a way of achieving because Kedusha comes through restraint. It's a lot of Wow. I don't think I can ever do that. Anyway, like where I'm smelling very, it, I, I see it, whatever. But there's no, you don't but need so to. Start with the leaving it over. It's not easy. It's not just start with it. That by itself is already enough. Yeah. You don't even have to feel like oh, and then I really like that. I feel like this was such. This was such a very important stuff. But the power, the power of need. The power of allowing yourself to feel that you need that there is chaser, and. From there to reach for God. I think that's why I'm so much happier in Eretz Israel. Because I feel like cause there everything is like, it's much more of a struggle. We have our struggles here too. No, but they're different struggles. But we don't notice them. Actually, no, no, no. They're much harder in a totally different way. But I think it's so much easier to be happy there. I can't explain it. I'm probably not explaining it well. No, I mean, I'm with you on this. So It's really a different thing. This allowed to feel. I think that's what it is for me. I just, I 